We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. be turning with me to the book of Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to give you the condensed version this morning. Daniel Daniel chapter 1. Begin reading in verse 1. I want to I want to I'm going to we're going to start a series this morning on in the world, in the world. Connecting with people around us without compromising our faith. People ask, how, how can I be in the world, not be of it, but how can I be in the world and still share my faith without compromising it? How can I have friends? Jesus had friends that weren't Christians, that weren't believers. He ate with prostitutes and tax collectors, thieves, and he, he, he mingled with them, and we are expected as well to be in the world, but not to be of it. Daniel chapter 1, begin reading in verse 1. Would you stand for the reading of the word this morning? I'm going to read the first seven verses. I'm reading out the English Standard Version this morning. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That means he conquered it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar and to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youth without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom and endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. And the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave 
them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. To be in the world, but not of it. Connecting without compromise. Father, I pray today you would allow your word to enlighten us and speak to us. Through every aspect of our life today, Lord, we are here in your house to have a better understanding of what you would have for us today. We can be effective in the world that we live in. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and let us hear what you have and apply what we need. In Jesus' name, everybody shouted a big amen. All right, are you ready? Hang on. Buckle up. We're going to get it fast. Have you ever wrestled with your identity? Have you ever wrestled with your identity in Christ? Let me say it like that. Have you ever wrestled with your identity in Christ? This story is going to help us better understand where we are in our relationship with God and in our relationship with the world. I hope and I pray that we can answer this question today. Is it possible to be relevant without sacrificing the truths of the gospel? Yeah, most of us would probably say, yes, it is possible. But there may be some here this morning that would say, I don't know. I don't know. The world is changing fast. It's changing very fast. I understand the relevance and being relevant, and I understand the part of, of in, order to, in order to reach, we've got to be reaching. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? In order to reach, you've got to be reaching. In order to teach, you have to be teaching. In this passage of Scripture, Daniel and his friends are being held captive. The Babylonians conquered, and then they brought them to serve. They're going to educate them. They're going to brainwash them. They're going to do everything in their power to change them, right? Three things we're going to look at today, three things. I told you, I, I told you that nothing went right this morning. Uh, my iPad locked me out, and I can't get back in it, which had my notes in it. I was able to print them, but I have to make the print so big on my iPad so I can read it. I couldn't change the font size, so it's this big. You can probably read it from there. So I have eight pages of notes this morning. I couldn't go back and change it to make it smaller so I could have less pages. So don't be scared. I only have three points, and we're going to go fast, okay? We can look at the text. There's three things that we want, to, we want to come away with today, three things that determine our identity, three things. Number one where you have been. One thing, the first thing that will determine our identity is where we have been. Because where we have been has made us who we are today, right? That would have been a great place for everybody to say amen. Where we have been. You see, the people of Israel, they were attacked and defeated by the Babylonians. They were, they, we, we can read that in the text. I'm not going to go back and revisit that, but the notes are in the YouVersion Bible app, so you can find them there, so you can go back. If I skip anything, 
It's all right there. You see, Daniel and his friends, they remained in Babylon for the rest of his life. Daniel never forsook his God. Daniel never changed what he believed because of where he'd been. It didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter if the enemy came and, and stole uh, everything that they had or, or, or defeated his, his family or his group of people. It doesn't matter. He never left what he believed. He never walked away. Even though they brought him into a pagan culture, into a different culture, different religions, different way of thinking, it didn't change the way he performed or he lived. Why? Because of where he had been. Because of where he'd been. Number two, see, we're moving fast. Number two, the second thing that, that determines your identity is where you are now. Where are you at right now determines your identity. It also is linked to where you have been. Because where you have been has made you to where you are today, who you are today, and who you will be tomorrow is still up for grabs, right? In a world that we live in today, in the cultures that we are faced with, in, in the generations that are around us right now, in this room, in this very room, uh, let me, yeah, we have, we have a representative from every generation in this room. We've got the generation of my grandparents, which is, so, which is, by the way, so great to have them back in church. But the greatest generation, that's them. That's their name. That's their label. The greatest generation, that's them. Then we have the baby boomers, which is my parents' age. If you're a baby boomer, raise your hand. So we have baby boomers in the house. Then you have my generation, Generation X. X marks the spot. That's not in my notes. If you're in Generation X, raise your hand. Let me back up. If you're in the greatest generation, raise your hand. If you are, I don't know the ages. If you're 70 and older, raise your hand. I don't know where the cutoff is. I would say 70, somewhere around there. Okay, yeah, we've got a great representation of that. If you're Generation X, raise your hand. If you are the millennials, raise your hand. Here we go, up there, up there. If you are Generation Z, raise your hand. They're all over the place. All over the place. And then, where's Pastor McKenzie? What's the next one? Is that the, that's the new one, right? Alpha. I think we have Alpha sitting right here with Tommy and Reva. That's these. This is the generation of right now. You see, we have every single generation sitting here this morning. This has been my nemesis for the last few months. Not you and as people, but trying to understand each generation. As a pastor, I have the awesome responsibility of being able to relate to the greatest generation all the way down to the lowest. And my friends, that is a very challenging task. It's a very daunting 
Because this is where I am now. Where I've been has helped me to get me where I am, but where I am right now, this is new. Where you are right now in your life, this is new ground. Every day is something new. It's something different. You see, the Babylonians gave Daniel and his friends, he gave, they gave them new names. They tried to relabel them. They tried to put something on them that wasn't them. And, and we can go through and we can, I can tell you what their names meant. They tried to belittle them. They tried to make, almost make fun of them in the meaning of their name. Daniel means God is my, or Daniel, his name being changed to Belshazzar. I didn't even put that one in my notes. It means God is my judge. Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. These are all kind of sucker punches to these guys. Michelle means who is what God is. And then we have Azariah, which means I told you all those backwards. See, is this what kind of morning I've had? Those were the God-given names. <laughs> Boy, can we rewind that? Huh? I need my iPad. Okay. We're not going to go there, okay? We're just going to... Because I'm looking at my notes and I'm thinking, where in the world is it at? So we'll come back to that. I'll make a Facebook post this week on that, okay? But they tried to rename them and to relabel them. They tried to make them something that they really wasn't. The people that are here in this place this morning, your generation and, and the one that you fit in, the category that you fit in, it is you. But I cannot take you out of that generation and put you in mine. I can't take you out of yours and put you in a different one. I can't take myself and put myself in a different category. This doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen that way. Daniel and their friend and his friends, they were transplanted from a nation into a foreign one, one with different beliefs, one with different way of thinking. People who were born again find themselves belonging to, a, to another kingdom. When you gave your heart and life to God, you were transplanted. You were taken from the world of sin and placed in the world of God. That's one thing that, we can, that we've got going for us. On a spiritual sense, it is awesome. It is possible to be moved from this place to another. Because everything is on God's plane is the same. But the way I was raised is different from the way you was raised. You experience things that, that I never experienced. My kids experience things that your kids have never experienced. But I do understand that living as a born-again believer, in the midst of the society that we live in today, is a challenge. Isn't it? It's a huge challenge to live in the world that we live in today as a believer. It's very, sometimes we might feel like we're interacting 
with people from a different planet. You ever you ever felt that way? Yeah, you some might live with one. I don't know. Watch this. Watch this short clip. Consequential. With whom are you communicating? Jake from Planet State Farm. Jake from Planet State Farm at 0300 hours. State your identity. It is Jake from Planet State Farm, home of Discount Double Check. Describe your apparel, Jake from Planet State Farm. Uh, khakis. Khakis. Explain. A dull earthly garment covering male extremities. Sounds most appropriate. Mm -hmm. Save mass quantities, even at 0300 hours. It's a different Get world. to a better state. The different way. Sometimes you feel like you are communicating with somebody completely different. You don't understand what what's khakis. Well, we all know what khakis are. I'm wearing khakis. But we know that sometimes when we cross over from the world of sin to the world of God and what he has planned for us, I know that's probably not labeling it correctly, or, but it's, it's something that we need, we need to understand that it, that, that transfer sometimes isn't easy. It isn't easy. I've, I've been, I've, I was raised in this. This is all I know. I know that this is what church means. I know that this is the way I act in church. This is the things I do in church. This is the things that, that happen within the church body. I know, I get that. But there are some of you here this morning that may not have that in your path. But yet you're here today. You may not understand why do we do this. Why does it have to be this way? I get all of that. Being relevant sometimes is, is the hardest thing. But this is something that we as a church, you as a believer, we have to understand. So my question is for us today is this. Are we willing to be relevant? Do we need to be relevant? Maybe that's the better word. Do we need to be relevant? Because somebody was relevant to you to get you in this place today. I've told you I've been struggling with all of this, the relevancy and, and, and big, big terms that uh, generational separations and what does it mean? How are we going to be able to reach? How are we going to be able to change? How is the church going to be able to function as a church, not just today, but what about five years from now? What about when, when, when there's no longer the greatest generation, these wisdom people, these people that have lived through so much, what happens when we get to the point and they're no longer in our lives? What happens to you and I? What is my responsibility right now? It is yours as a leader in your home. It's your responsibility to know and understand what's happening in the world and what's happening in your lives. It has to be trying to relate to both things, both cultures, in my mind, the generations. And don't, don't check out on me right now, okay? I promise I am not going to keep you very long. But I need you to listen, and I need you to understand something because this is a very, very pivotal point for you and our church and our world today. I've been reading a lot, trying to understand trying to get a grasp on how we move forward. I've been reading this, this book, Carrie Newhoff wrote it. It's called Didn't See It Coming. You ever been blindsided? I didn't see that coming. Maybe you thought that when I started preaching this morning. 
He says this. I'm going to read some excerpts out of his book. He wrote this in 2018. He says that the North American Christians tend to cling to the past more than they want to leap into the future. The decline of faith and church attendance, because it's happening all over the world, during the previous decades have been definitely significant. And the relevance and the relevance of church to the culture has suffered as well. In many views, in many ways, there is a direct correlation between these two things. Yes, often Christians believe that since God doesn't change, that we don't have to either. You ever felt that? He goes on to say, he says, I have committed my life to reversing that belief. After all, irrelevance causes us to lose the ability to speak into a culture. Is everybody, are you still with me? He says, there's never been a more important time for the church to have a voice because we, at this point, are losing ours. The time is now. The time was yesterday. But we're losing our impact as having a voice in the world that we live in. The church has a prime, uh, maybe a prime example of resistance to change, but it's certainly not the only one. In your lifetime, go back and just let your mind travel. In your lifetime, you have seen industries change, titans fall, and once innovative organizations go under. By contrast, a fair number of the largest companies today were not in existence 30 years ago. Things change. Time changes. It has a way. But we can look at several. You can look at Kodak. What was the first camera you ever ever, ever, ever had? Probably a Kodak or Polaroid. How many of you ever uh, rented a, a, a video from Blockbuster? It doesn't exist anymore. Had a compact computer, a Nokia phone. Drove a Pontiac or an Oldsmobile. These are just a few. But if we look at Kodak just for a moment, and then I'm going to move. I'm moving fast, really. Cases show, this is, this is a, just a little piece of information about Kodak that you and I, we need to learn from today. Kodak, studies show that there was a bitter war inside of Kodak between the digital division and the print division. Top executives were fixated on getting people to print their digital phones or their digital photos. The digital division said people don't care. How many of you have a trunk of pictures at your house? You have photo albums galore at your house, right? How many photos do you have on your phone? I'll tell you how many I have. It is really scary. 16,271. Every digital photo that we have ever taken is on my phone. Every one. We don't have photo albums at our home. We, if we have pictures, it's pictures that been, that's been handed down to us. They're all right here. My life is right here. You see, things have changed. So digital photos, the digital people of Kodak said, people don't care. 
When's the last time you printed a vid- printed pictures? You see, the, the digital vision said this, and yet it's not like Kodak was thinking uh, wasn't thinking about digital at all. They just missed the significance. You see, you can have good intentions, but you can miss out on what God has in store. There's a little more irony to the fact that in 2000, Kodak also launched an early photo-sharing website. But Harvard Business Review notes that instead of making it a place to share pictures, they had dedicated the site for people to print. Several of you, I I ask that you send us photos from last weekend. Yeah, I'm going to use Kim as an example. I didn't ask for permission, so it's always better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission, so forgive me. But she sent me a iCloud link to all the pictures that she took. Now, some of you, that just went, believe me, it took me a few minutes to figure out how to get them. But she sent, She knew how to send me the pictures. She didn't know. She didn't go down to, to Walgreens or Walmart and print the pictures out and bring them to me. She sent them to me through a web-based cloud system, wherever, however you want to word that. But you understand. You see, the dedicated site for share, was intended not for sharing but for printing. And essentially, Kodak went under because the new technology that they had, they used it to prop up the old model. You see, things change. But this never changes. The Word of God is still the Word of God. The delivering may be different. But this never changes. Pictures are still pictures, right? But just the way that it's delivered, just the way that we share them is different these days. So we don't need to take the old and use it to prop up the new. Because that was the failure of Kodak. Should we become students of culture? Yes. Do you understand what that means? Should we become students of generations? Yes. How many of you have grandkids? You better understand culture. You better. Because if not, you are going to be lost. You will not be able to communicate to your grandkids. You will, you will be lost. There will be, no, there will be no relevancy in your life. You better get a hold and get relevance. I know you probably don't like what I'm saying this morning, but I don't know why. But this is what God has given me for us today. Here's the answer, and it's simple. People who don't understand today's culture, you will never be able to speak into it. I promise you. This ain't a very good shot message. I know that. But I need, everybody needs to understand. But if you don't understand it, you will not be able to be relevant to it. Are you with me? Do you agree with me?
You don't have to shout at me. You don't have to say amen. But do you understand where I'm coming from? These kids in our world today, your kids, they're facing things that we have never, that we never faced. I'm, I mean, when I was, there was no such thing as a cell phone. I remember the first cell phone. It was a huge bag, and it had to be plugged into the cigarette lighter in my truck. Now we've went to the smallest. Now we've went to the smartest. It can go in my pocket. I got everything. I've got 16, over 16,000 pictures on here. I've got my Bible on here. I've got, I can communicate to everybody. There's everything I, is in here. I know that this is not a very popular subject, especially within the church today, but we're losing our voice. We're losing the connection that we have to those that are going to be coming up behind us. Being relevant. People who do not understand today's culture will never be able to speak into it. Whether you agree with this culture or not, understanding it is a prerequisite to being able to influence it. If we want the church to exist 10 years from now, we're the ones it's riding on. Look at the person beside you on the right and on their left and say, it's on you. Come on, everybody. It's on you. Being relevant, understanding it is the prerequisite of being able. I want to influence. I want to be an influencer. Don't we? This is the only way that we are to share the gospel is to have influence. It's to have respect wherever we go. I'm late already and I told you. Number three, where are we going? Anybody ever went on vacation? Anybody ready to go on vacation? Anybody got vacations planned? We must intentionally remind ourselves that this is not our final destination. I've talked about, number one, where I've been, where I am now, and now we're where we're going. <clears throat> the praise team will make their way back real quick. Matter of fact, just, just stay where you are. Just stay where you are. Because I, you need, everybody needs to hear this. In my hand, I hold my passport. In my passport, I know I, I, have, I have all kinds of stamps, visas from different countries, Mexico, Ethiopia, Ecuador, Coast, no, Costa Rica is not, yeah, maybe, I don't know. There's all kinds of visas in here. There's stamps of me going in and out of countries. This is my physical, they didn't get the memo. It's just y'all, y'all come on. This is my physical identity, right? This, this identifies who I am, right? In the front of it, or on the front, it says Passport United States of America. And if you open it up to the second page, it's got me. It's got my picture. It's got my name. It's got everything. The date I was, bur- the date I was born, where I'm, I'm from, Arkansas, the date this was issued, and the date that it will expire. All of my information is on here. And right here, this little bar right here, when they slide it through, it pulls up everything. And this... Book, this passport, better match what shows up on the computer. This is my physical identity. It has where I've been. It has where I am now. But it also has where I'm going. 
I'm holding my passport because though this is a physical, I have a spiritual passport as well. And see, my spiritual passport, my heavenly passport, it's already been stamped. I'm going. I'm going. The pages in my in my physical are full, but there's only one stamp that I need in my spiritual passport, in my heavenly passport, and that is when I walk through the heavenly gates. I know that may be a bad illustration, but you need to understand My kids have one of these. And if I take away the physical passport, it's my responsibility that my kids have a spiritual passport, a heavenly passport. That's on me. That's on me. But I see these guys, these younger guys sitting around here. They're depending on you, Mom and Dad, Grandma and Grandpa. They're depending on you to have them ready for when that trip is being and it all comes together with knowing and understanding them because they don't understand the way we understand they don't these generations go ahead and go ahead and play the generations behind us don't understand the way we understand i look at brother agent sister jemima over here my grandparents over here sister bertha may Sister Alice, Jerry, and Laureen. I, I, I see these, Janet, I'm not trying to label everybody as, but I look at these people, and I, I've known them my whole life. I've, I've known them my whole life. Which will soon be 48 years, I will have known them, and they would have known, well, maybe have known me. But I look at them and I think about the things that they experienced, but yet they're still in the house of God. They're here. And then I I look and and my grandparents sitting there and then their youngest son sitting right there. He's ready. They taught. They equipped. Then I, brother, brother, sister, mama, and then I see Ed over here. You see where I'm going with this? It's our responsibility. We may never, we ne- it's not meant for us to get down and understand uh, or to be like them, our, the, the younger generations, but we better understand it. Are, 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 you, are, are you tracking with me this morning? I know I told you I, I'm on, I, I just can't get away from this. The importance of knowing where our kids are. They're experiencing things that we have never experienced. And you know what? We don't know it unless we ask. You'll never understand. You'll never know what they're going through unless you ask. Get relevant. Get down. Hey, what? We have a very, we have a great relationship with our kids. Our kids, we talk to our kids every single day, two or three times a day. I know that's probably not normal, but I guarantee you this. I know what they're going through. I know what they're facing. And you know what? They know what mom and dad are dealing with too. 
because of the communication that is there. We're in, a, we're, in, we're, in, we're in a time right now where we cannot afford to be irrelevant. Whether it's here in the house of God or whether it's in our own homes. Understanding them, being able to relate to them. Because that's not the church of tomorrow. That's the church of today. There's a huge statistic, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably misquote it, but it's, it's somewhere up in the 60s and 70% that when your teenagers leave your home and go off to college or go off to do their own thing, they leave the church and never come back. That's the percentage. I will have that. It's in the 60s, I know. You see, it's a big responsibility. It's on us. It's on me as a pastor. And it's on you as a parent. The teachers in here, our youth pastor, it's, it's on all of us to be relevant. Today, as you stand with me all over this place, can we make a, a promise? Can we make a, a, a commitment to God that today we will be an agent of relevancy? I'm going to do my best to better understand those that are coming up behind me. Because I know, I know a lot of you this morning, you probably don't you, don't, you can't relate to the way I preach. You can't relate to the, to the things that I talk about. But these are the things that God gives me for all of us. I was struggling this morning just to, okay, God, why and what? In order for us to exist and continue to have a voice in the world around us, we have to better understand those that are coming up behind us. We've all, seen the, we've all seen the stories or the, the videos of passing the baton, right? Those races. The race will not be won if the baton is dropped. The race ends right then. That's it. But if I can take, if I can take the baton, and I can pass it and I can give it to Noah, that's a good handoff good handoff because now he understands now he's got it and now I can sit on the sideline and I can cheer him on I can, we can sit on the sideline and we can cheer them on but if I mess up and I drop it and it's on me on us we're in a very pivotal moment right now as a church in the world that we live in what are we going to do with it so would you commit to God this morning would you make a commitment to him as we pray and we get when we're closing I'm gonna, we're going to close with this say, God, I, I'm going to do my very best to hand the baton. To hand it off well. Because I understand it's on me. Being in the world, he said, yeah, we're in it. 
don't have to be of it. I'm not going to comp- compromise my beliefs, my faith, just so I can do what I think is right. I'm going to do it the way God intends it for it to be. Amen. Would you make, could you make that this morning? Father, we, we commit, make a commitment to you today. Lord, to know that the generations that are coming up behind us are just as important as the one I'm in, the one that we're in, the ones that were before us. But today, God, we make a commitment, a promise to you, a covenant, if you will, Lord, to better understand because, God, I want to be a voice of influence. We want to be a voice of influence in the world around us. We want to be that influence. Because, God, it it, it is very true as as we pray, as I pray this, this prayer each week over us, that we never forget that we go wherever, we don't go anywhere by accident, God. That wherever we are, I know, God, that you are sending us. And wherever I am, God, you have placed me there. You have a purpose in everything that I do. I know that you dwell in me. You have something to do that you want to do through me. I believe this, Lord. And I pray it over our church family today. As we go in your love, your grace, and your power. God, we're going to be everything that you've asked us to be.